0: the CEO of OH Partners, Scott Parkey.
1: All right, welcome to the rebrand podcast. We tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of OH Partners, Scott Harkey. And today we're going to hear about international sports marketing strategies. Joining us is Jeremiah Glodoveza, who is the Senior Vice President of Marketing and Communications at Neum, which Neum is the global platform for the modern money movement. It provides banks, payment providers, and businesses of any size with access to global payment and card additional solutions. It's modular platform, Powers frictionless commerce, helping businesses pay and get paid across the globe. We discussed a, a lot of the ins and outs and, and some great insights on sports sponsorship. I love the content piece about how you're repurposing content. I haven't seen a ton of that. So I, I think that was a, a real insight for sports side of things. But you're going to help give us some insights now on building a global brand, which, boy, is super difficult. So I'm sure it's just a few little pointers and we're, we're well on our way to building a global brand. But Talk to us a little bit about what you've learned and how to go about building a global brand beyond a cricket sponsorship. Sure, um,
2: sure. Yeah. I think building a global brand, the fundamentals of uh, it are, are really the same as building any brand, right? So what we focused on first and foremost was really stripping down the brand to the core, down to sort of the why we exist, what we do better, long-term vision perspective. Nail that piece down and really have a, a solid understanding of what you want to be and the value you provide to others then start to scale. And when I think about how you build a brand globally, have these big aspirations in mind, but really tackle the problem at a local level. So what I mean by that is, yes, you want to be global, but being global doesn't happen until unless you build upon successes that you've had at the local level. So from Niam's perspective, We really built up our brand initially in Asia and then started to build the brand in parts of Europe and then started to extend from Europe into the Americas, from the Americas into Latin America and then eventually Africa. And so as long as you have this phased approach to how you're thinking about building a global brand, you're well on your way
1: to some success. And did you start out with like a a brand workshop with like a branding firm to understand kind of, are you talking like mission, vision, value stuff and, and go to market? And, and are you getting your executive team, you know, rowing in the same yes. direction on the yes. same path? Okay. So you start there yeah with a you know, good brand strategy, understand your competitors, understand who you are, who you want to be. exactly. Um, do, you, do you need a lot of money as you think about phase by phase? Are you raising a lot of money or is it no. totally, okay, we're tackling this market then we're tackling that market. Then we're going to this market.
2: Yeah, I think it's not and it's not necessarily a money problem, right? Like we're well capitalized startup, but like I think that we spent and a lot of the money in building our brand, not on agencies and 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 consulting support, but on the tactical execution of how you get the brand out there. Right. Where we focused in what you really need is attention and time and commitment, right? From mm-hmm. the, the leadership team, from some of your customers, third parties that you trust getting them in the room, getting them to opine on where your differentiation is. I think that those are time and money well spent.
1: I love that. And I, I do think differentiation is is key in, in today's marketplace. Of course, brand's important and who you are is important and vision's important. But right. um, I think a lot of times people miss the differentiating piece. I don't know if you've seen the super pumped Uber movie. You know, yeah. I, I thought it was your series. I thought it was great. I had a ton yeah. of friends early in Uber and knew Travis. And I remember... They even talking before I saw the movie about how they would, it was literally, they would take over a market at a time, market by market yeah. kind of approach. Right. And you could almost see them like an army going into each, yeah. each thing is getting your people to commit. Is it, is it all employees is it executives? And what is their time commitment to marketing look like? Like, how do you get uh, them engaged? I, Help me understand that piece a little yeah, bit. Yeah.
2: I think it's both, not only the core executive team, but if you really want buy-in and you want to leverage Your employee base as your number one ambassadors for the brand, getting them involved and bought into the future direction is super important. So we did spend a lot of time not only kind of um, ideating with the executive team, but then socializing the the new brand direction with the employee base and with every new uh, person that joins the company. It's part of the induction ceremony and everything.
1: I let the role in strategy is so important. How did you measure success? Is it impressions? Is it leads? Is it awareness? Is it unaided, aided awareness? Like, how do you like what sort of KPIs of success that the brands working and developing you know market by market?
2: For sure. So we definitely looked at sort of just reach of um, our marketing tactics, but ultimately what we're measuring is our contribution to sort of the bottom line, right? Whether it's a effective spend of the marketing budget, but also contribution to top-line revenue. But where what I think made us different is that we looked at really scalable platforms in which to invest, kind of communicating our message. And so from Niamh's perspective, to reach a global audience, we really tapped into social platforms, primarily LinkedIn, and prioritized robust channel of content to grow that audience. And then to serve up really ultra-targeted messages, depending on the markets that we were trying to reach.
1: Wow. What years were you really investing heavily in LinkedIn?
2: Last year, really. So I've been in the role about 18 months. And we saw an increase in in terms of our followers when I walked in the doors under 10,000. Roughly, we're over 110,000 today in less than than 12 months. And a lot of that growth has primarily been because of the robust content program that we've been publishing, but also just really creating engaging content that not only drives eyeballs, but drives actually engagement. So you'll see our channel populated with a mixture of educational, but also fun and um, inspirational content that we think has people coming back and getting value out of that follower.
1: Wow! And is that video content? Is it organic and paid video, or is it is it all of the above content? It's, it's, paid uh, it's all of the
2: above. It's all of the above. But wow. I will tell you that a large majority of our increasing increase in followership has been organic. We don't spend a lot on paid, and um, wow. that's what the truly remarkable piece of all of this. This is triple digit growth in the social sphere, and I would uh, I would say that we're probably the number two payment brand in terms of popularity on LinkedIn. A lot of that comes from the types of content that we're putting out, but it really starts with organic for us. And paid is a a nice to have, but we're getting tremendous scale from just the organic followers that we've got on LinkedIn
1: currently. Was it a big commitment investment-wise to produce that amount of content? Or did you have some, I don't want to say shortcuts, but for better terminology... You have some shortcuts for for the amount of volume of content. Because a lot of times it's daunting for companies to think about all the platforms and all the content that you have to create. And that's that's fascinating that you weren't using a lot of paid.
2: Yeah. And for us, like we always think about content in terms of what we're able to reuse and repurpose. Uh Uh, So we create a number of um, core assets that fit some of those key messages that I told you we defined in those workshops. We come out with a a couple of major themes that we want to populate our channels with. And then we cut those kind of marquee assets down into multiple formats, whether it be an infographic or a 15-second or a 30-second video from a a longer-form piece. And then we use those pieces and and promote them out a kind of a spread-out fashion. So that's the model that we look at in terms of how we get... So much content produced. It's because we think about reuse before we even start a project.
1: Almost like a publisher mentality, it sounds like a little bit.
2: Yeah, and that's my background, came from uh, entertainment. I think of marketing in terms of uh, marketing a, a, a television studio or a, a movie studio, right? This is really about how do you create uh, entertaining but also informational content. Across programs and then cut those segments into consumable assets that people will want to pay attention to.
1: Wow. I mean, going from 10,000 over 100,000, becoming a global brand from scratch and being a leader in your space, uh, that, that's fascinating. What I love when people make big bets on platforms and they they do the homework. That's phenomenal. I think playing armchair quarterback, critic of my own brand too, I, I think we've not done a great job on, on LinkedIn and Staff is you're like, oh, I love Instagram and you know, so you, you, you gravitate to certain platforms. But uh sure. that's fascinating. I think I've been critical of LinkedIn. I thought, okay, LinkedIn's super underrated and I wanted to do more LinkedIn, and then now I'm like, man, I feel like the algorithm just changed and now I feel I'm not getting the same organic as it is it overrated. So I'm always I think looking platform by platform and and finding where opportunity is. I still think there is tons of opportunity in LinkedIn, obviously. I think There's more and more opportunity in Twitter right now just because there's controversy. A lot of people disagree with me. Is there any other platforms you guys are considering?
2: I mean, for us, from a platform perspective, just podcasting in general as a medium and then the platforms that podcasts are seated on are are huge for us at this time. We believe in Twitter, too, as a a marketing channel. not sure for the same reasons that you might be looking at, Scott, but like... uh, I think we still think that it has tremendous reach. But again, LinkedIn as a B2B brand, primarily, yep. nothing's better in terms of audience segmentation and then also reaching not only a, a pool of current employees, but also prospective employees. Because where we look at that channel as a hiring vehicle and, and an opportunity for us to build our employer brand as well as our product brand.
1: The other thing I got to give you curious I mean, the other thing I love how you're thinking about customer acquisition and employee acquisition all under brand content. I right. do think that's a missed opportunity and people segment segment that out and that's different roles within their companies. And I think you're losing out because the same brand promise, the same thing you can do for team members is really what makes you great for clients. I think we've started to see more companies do this. We've certainly been doing a lot more integrated consumer marketing that has kind of a an employment marketing touch to it and synergizing those together from a scale standpoint. Damn, I mean, there's just a ton I think marketers can learn here, especially B2B brands and tech brands, but consumer brands as well from your publisher mentality. And I, I just from both of these podcasts, what I heard over and over again is content is king for a reason and finding ways to continue to pump out the right content on the right channel will lead to not only follower success, which is certainly a metric that I still think is relevant, but top-line sales, which you mentioned. So, damn that's yeah. that's awesome. Any, any last words out there for brand marketers?
2: Yeah, I think it's the thing I'd advise would be it's not just about reach. And I think reach comes from providing great content, et cetera, like you said, but it's also about engagement, right? And how do you drive conversations, particularly in the B2B space, because those conversations are what advance sales conversation from down the funnel. So we're really looking at not only driving uh, reaching the right people, but also driving those great conversations in the right settings that help um, move a prospect to become a, a customer.
1: That's freaking awesome, man. I, I mean, this was, I think, an, all our podcasts for B2B marketers. But B2C too, like a lot of lessons learned here. I hope you had your notepad out because uh, I learned a ton in this episode. So let's all continue learning as uh, marketers in this community. But we're going to wrap that up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. Again, man, just so much there to unpack in terms of um, how to create content, how to have the brand strategy done from the beginning, going market by market, have a an approach that whether it's US based or North American based or global based, but think about it market at a time. Well, there's sports sponsorship, you know, packaging that content, but really finding all ways necessary to create content on the right channel. That was fascinating. Thank you so much, Jeremiah. Motavesa, Senior Vice President of Marketing Communications at NIUM, for joining us. If you'd like to hear more about Jeremiah, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Baskin in the Glow. Our business company website at nium.com, and that's it. Thanks for joining us. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handles at Rebrand Pod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can find me on Twitter at SharkyAZ or Instagram at Scott Herkey. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of our marketing brilliance in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button on your podcast app and we'll be right back in the feed the following day. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand.